Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA. Welcome everyone to episode 135 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic and today we're going to preview the Eastern Conference semifinals after the Cleveland Cavaliers hard-fought victory over the Indiana Pacers in game seven. So we will talk about Cavs Raptors as well as Sixers Celtics. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. I'm kind of concerned if I'm a Cavs fan, though, because if you need <laughs> 45 points out of LeBron for every playoff victory... Yep. You're probably not going to make it all the way. Uh, yeah, so let's start with the Cavs wrap. Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. After series, since we we're recording this on Sunday, the Cavs game ended less than an hour ago. So it's very fresh in our minds. And yeah, Mort, that's my first question for you. Uh, if you need this type of Herculean performance from LeBron James just to get past the Pacers in seven games, and the Raptors are a better team than the Pacers, this is like one of those math questions back in grade school. When you're like, <laughs> if a train is traveling at 80 miles an hour... Uh, yeah, what's going to happen in this series? They're probably going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, you know, this, this, there's like a stigma here because you don't want to go against LeBron. It right. seems whenever you do, it feels wrong on the inside. Like yeah. you're setting yourself up to failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but look, I mean, let's be honest about something for a second. The Pacers were the better team. Oh, absolutely. They were plus 40 throughout yeah. the entirety of the series. They just they just were so unfortunate in not being able to execute properly when LeBron went to the bench mm-hmm. uh, for his cramps. Yeah. Like, if they had executed down that stretch, hit shots, and gained the lead, we would have been talking about Indiana and Toronto right now. Yeah. That, that whole, the whole Cavs-Pacers series... 
this is not an Avengers Infinity War spoiler. It's an Avengers 1 spoiler. But remember at the end when they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have a Hulk. That's I know like what... all those movies by heart, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's like what the Cavs did. It was just like, oh, yeah, you might be better than us, but mm-hmm. we have a LeBron. It, to be fair, in Infinity War, there is a <laughs> reference as well. There so, is, there is. Just, early in the movie, don't worry, we're not spoiling anything no, too no, big. No. Yeah, but I mean, it, it it was very reminiscent of that. Like LeBron was just so damn good throughout that series. I mean, he averaged mm. thirty four points, ten rebounds, almost eight assists, and he had to. That's that's the concerning thing. If you're a Cavs fan, is like, yeah, LeBron can do this. But he shouldn't have to to squeak out a four-point victory in Game 7 of a first-round series. Like, the fact it's right. that close already, with LeBron playing this well, I mean, Russell Westbrook, eat your heart out, LeBron had 45 points on only 25 shots. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what happens if he gets 30 or 35, which he's, you know, he might have to do going into this next round. We it's... Oh, no, 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 there's no might about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if the I rest mean, of his supporting cast doesn't show up again. No, well, when have they? Honestly. Yeah. I mean, Tristan Thompson came in tonight and, and did a bang-up job, but mm-hmm. for the most part, like, that's the outlier. Right. We, we can't sit here and go, oh, he's going to do that for the next seven games. Yeah. We don't know. Right. I mean, and that's part of the the problem. Everything is so inconsistent. You, you simply don't know who shows up on a nightly basis, and... That then you go into default mode, which is give it to LeBron and get the hell out of his way. And <laughs> right. That's just not a viable solution for the Eastern Conference playoffs going, you know, into round two and round three. I mean, that's it's not sustainable. Yeah, especially against a Raptors team that's one of the deepest in the league. Like, yep. you know, in years past, that was a, a similar fate befell the Raptors because it was give it to Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and if those guys struggled, that was all she wrote for the Raptors. But now the Raptors, as we you know, as we saw in the first round, as we've been talking about for months, the Raptors are very deep and rely on their bench and have faith in their reserves and their complimentary guys, and those guys reward them. Like, DeLon Wright, how many times in the fourth quarter against the Wizards did that guy step up and hit oh, huge yeah. shots? And yeah, then, no, he's really broken up. Yep. Yeah, but then compare that to the Cavs, where it's like, you know, Kevin Love, he does he seems injured. I think that thumb is really bothering him. But no, no way. Are you yeah. telling me he's injured? Did he did he, he airballed one of his first three shots by two feet yeah. from a oh, corner man. three? That was just that was so bad. He was not shooting. Like I made a tweet about this. He wasn't shooting. He was throwing the basketball. Right. Yeah, he and was then, like shot putting. Exactly. And for some some way though, to his credit, like he started getting going. And he just took the pain, and he started knocking down jumpers. And yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta give him credit for that. But even totally. then, like he's not. I I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to go there, but I think we have to. I mean, he's not the Timberwolves Kevin Love. He's no, not. Yeah. I mean, and he's, he hasn't been since he went to Cleveland, which is fine because the Timberwolves right. didn't have a LeBron. But you're right. But he's, you kind of need it, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, you need something. Like, he shot 33% from that for overall in that series. Right. I mean, you need, if he's going to be second on the team in shot attempts, you need more efficiency from him, if nothing else. And, and but, more volume. That's really yeah. my biggest concern. I mean, when you look at his, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to go there, but I think we have to. 
his Cavs career, he's he's scoring just 17 points a game. Mm-hmm. That's over 271 regular season games. That's not enough. Like, we have talked about all year long that LeBron was kind of spreading it on too thick because out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Where is Kevin Love, the guy who averaged 26 and 13 mm-hmm. and 26 and 12 and a half? I mean, two years of 26 plus points. Yeah. I'm not saying he has to go into that back and go average 25, but there's definitely room for someone to come on in and average 22. Mm-hmm. And just get the volume up there. And he wasn't that far off last year. He was at 19 last year on 14.5 shot attempts per game, which is the most he had in Cleveland. This year, he's at a low... I mean, he's 17.6 points during the regular season, but he only took 12.4 shot attempts per game, which is the lowest he had since joining the Cavs. And you would think... And just 28 minutes. Yeah, and you would think, like, well, you know... Kyrie left that opens the door for him to take on a larger role right yeah they've had a lot of roster transition obviously with the whole Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder iteration of this team and now like the Jordan Clarkson Rodney Hood Larry Nance version he missed some time as well this is you know it's it's all to say the whole Cavs team has been in flux throughout the year mm. but you're right we're, like that's one of my big questions for the Cavs going into this Raptors series is we know what we're going to get from LeBron James he, right. realistically he's going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 points, 8 to 10 rebounds, 8 to 10 assists. You can just pencil that in and fill out the details. Probably later. 45. Right, right. <laughs> like that that might be his floor, which is terrifying. Yeah. But yeah. do you have hope that a guy like Kevin Love comes through more or a guy like Tristan Thompson who they dusted off for game 7 and he, to his credit, you know, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Like it was his best game of the series by far. Do you think those guys become bigger factors against the Raptors team? Is there something no. about the Pacers matchup that was difficult for them that they won't run into in the Raptors series? Well, I I, I think that tonight <clears throat> Tristan Thompson benefited greatly from just abusing Miles Turner, who's been sneaky bad recently. Mm-hmm. Going up against Jonas Valanciunas... I'm not expecting him to just bully Jonas around mm-hmm. at all. Uh, so I, I don't think that, that we can just pencil in Tristan for that same caliber of production. And as for Love, well, he's just going to have to replace Thaddeus Young with Serge Ibaka. Right. That's not really something I would want to do. No. Because, you know, Ibaka... Well, I'll give Thaddeus this. Like, he can guard the perimeter... And he's he's actually pretty good at stealing the ball. Like he, he's a mm-hmm. good pickpocket. Yep. But Serge is longer. He's more springier, and he can block shots on the perimeter as well. He rotates decently. Yep. And then you have Jonas Valanciunas near the basket, who can pick up the slack. Here's the thing, though. Kevin Love basically does not drive the basketball, mm-hmm. like at all. Mm-hmm. He spots up, or he passes the ball. Like, there's no driving, really, going on with Kevin Love. So mm-hmm. you don't need... You can actually allow yourself to close out hard on him. Because yeah. he's not going to put it on the deck. Mm-hmm. That is going to open up Toronto's entire defense. I, I don't disagree. I mean, I think we're going to see more Tristan in the Raptors series than we did in the Pacers series. If mm-hmm. only because it's hard to imagine we see less of him. <laughs> he, yeah, really right. did, he didn't factor at all in the first six games. And then... 
it was like Ty Lue's desperation card was, all right, let me dust off Tristan Thompson. So I think against a bigger guy, you know, a bigger front court of Ibaka and Valanciunas, it would not surprise me if Ty Lue sticks with this same starting lineup that he had in Game 7 mm. with LeBron, Love, Thompson, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, basically no point guard. LeBron James is your point guard. Yeah. Um, you know, George Hill missed a couple games in that Pacers series, so there's hope that he could come back and be more of a factor. I mean, he did play in Game 7, and he had 11 points. He got to the free throw line 11 times. It was That was an encouraging performance from him. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I think there is there, there's hope that the Cavs supported cast will be better because really they couldn't be much worse than they were during the Pacers series. But that said, again Toronto has one of the deepest benches in the league. Like, yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, <laughs> even like, if they are <laughs> right, right, they're they're going to run into more resistance than they did. Yeah. They, you know the the Pacers to their credit, played very well, but they they really relied heavily basically on an eight-man rotation. I mean, Trevor Brooker worked in a little bit, but it was basically their starting five plus Sabonis, Stevenson, and Corey Joseph. Mm. So the Raptors are going to have more bodies to throw at them, and, you know, if can you more count shooting. on... Yeah, like, can you count on Rodney Hood, who was highly inconsistent in that series, Jordan Clarkson... Larry Nance, I mean, God, he played well during the regular season after coming over. Yeah, but they're they, really suffering from you know first time playoffs ex- playoff experience. You know, Nance and, and uh, Jordan Clarkson specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Rodney Hood, I feel, is probably the closest bet to getting yeah. some consistency, even though he has been inconsistent. I think mm-hmm. that's the one guy who can, who has the ability to turn it on on a more consistent level, at least offensively. Here's here's what I am looking forward to because I saw a pretty interesting exchange between Kevin O'Connor and Mark Deeks on Twitter this mm. evening, and uh, yeah, Kevin more or less uh, argued that you know if you keyed in on LeBron, it would just open up for the shooters, so you really shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And Mark's retort was, "No, you do that because then you let J.R. Smith beat you." Mm-hmm. I actually agree with Mark on this one because given that. This, the supporting cast in in Cleveland is so limited and has been so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. That should be the play. Yeah. Like we know the the one certainty. If you take that off the table, well, you can't. Like obviously, you can't take it completely off the table. But if you do as well as you can in putting that off the table, i.e., LeBron, mm-hmm. then you are forcing all these guys who has done very little to show themselves as consistent factors yep. to, to beat you. So I think that should be the play for Toronto going in. And they have OG Ananobi, who's been a very strong defender. and he, he even guarded John Wall and Bradley Beal on occasion mm-hmm. uh, during the first round and did so well. I think his upper body strength and athleticism could mm-hmm. at least... Well, it could annoy LeBron. I'm not saying it could yeah. affect him necessarily, but it could annoy him. And then if you have... I don't know, Serge Ibaka coming over to help or DeMar Rosen or whatever. Like, leave someone else open and let that guy beat you. Mm-hmm. If J.R. Smith is forced to take 13 three-point shots, yeah. go for it. Right. I don't care. Totally I mean, agree. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And, I mean, maybe, like, that's the thing about a seven-game series. If those guys end up proving they are more consistent than they were against Indiana, then you can make adjustments. But right. 
based on what we saw in the first round, a hundred percent. Like we, there's no reason to expect this Cavs team. They're going to have a two day layoff. They need to go to Toronto now. Like they're not going to have that much time to implement anything differently before they go into this first game. So yeah, I mean, I, I would expect the Raptors in game one are going to have a huge advantage just by virtue of, you know, they've had a couple days off. They've presumably had more time to game plan for both opponents, whereas Cleveland really had to devote all of his focus to Indiana because if you start looking ahead to Toronto, you end up going into the summer. Hey, everybody, this is Brian from the Glue Guys Nets show on Almighty Baller. Just wanted to talk to you about sponsor and friend of the network, HelloFresh. So I've had a few meal kit delivery services in my day. I, for one, am very excited to be having HelloFresh as a sponsor. So I am a kind of a deadbeat and a pretty disorganized person in my life. And one thing that I very much appreciate about HelloFresh's business was I had left town for a while while they were delivering the package. And I came home two days later after it had been delivered and discovered that it was perfectly preserved. Nothing wrong. Two days in a New York City, insanely hot October for some reason, and it was perfectly preserved. My produce was fine. My meats were fine. Everything was totally fine. Lots of ice packages all over the place, really closely wrapped. I very much appreciated the fact that I wasn't going to have to let my HelloFresh packages go to waste. That felt really good to me. Also an important thing to note, while I am a deadbeat in some ways, I'm not in others. I do actually do a fair amount of cooking, and I really appreciate HelloFresh for this reason too. Sometimes you get these you know, delivery services, and you get all these kinds of off-brand things in the package. It's None of it's really what you're used to. I got King's Hawaiian Rolls with my burgers this time like the brand the 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 actual thing and it was and it was such a breath of fresh air to see a, a brand that i was very familiar with liked a lot coming inside the package and it made all the difference for my juicy lucy burgers that i whipped up so all that's to say HelloFresh is easily my favorite of of the services tons of choices you got classic style family style even vegetarian meals lots of benefits to subscribing um, you can get delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. So for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60 and enter Almighty60. That's HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60, A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y-6-0 and enter Almighty 60. It's like receiving six meals free or up to 50% off three boxes. So more, now let's turn our attention to the Raptors side of things because, uh-huh. you know, they, they, to their credit, they they started 2-0 in the first round. Wizards came right. back, tied the series up. It seemed like the, the Raptors were in danger of falling into that same old Raptors rut. And then, you know, to their credit, they trusted their system. They trusted the changes they made. Again, Dillon Wright played huge against the Wizards, especially in Game 6, I believe. Uh, so they escaped from that first-round series. They beat back some of those same demons that have been haunting them I mean, throughout the year. That, that was the big question, was would they revert to their old Raptor selves? And they did not. Now they're going against a Cleveland team that has knocked them out of the playoffs each of the past two years. Cleveland beat them in the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference Finals in six games in 2015-2016, swept them last year in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Obviously, it's a much different Cleveland team now. 
But do you think that gives Cleveland somewhat of a psychological advantage, or is that you know lingering doubt in the back of the minds of Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Jonas Valanciunas, all these guys who have been there for no. those? You think it's just totally different? Here's, yeah, no, here's the thing about that. I think fans put a lot more stock into that mm-hmm. than players do. Look, think about this. Players have to play 82 games a year they have to go on the flights and land at 4 a.m in the morning and they're used to going up against big nba stars on any given night like Mm -hmm. that's that's their job and they do it all year long Mm -hmm. i think you know the psychological edge and whatnot i i think that is extremely overplayed by fan bases i wouldn't worry about it i think they're just as logical as us knowing full well that roster is not the same (laughs) right that's coming back like yeah sure they still have lebron and all that but they're a worse overall team mm-hmm. and look we've changed we've grown better i mean you hear it in the post gamers when you hear you know kyle and debar talk it's it's you know beforehand it was oh we had to you know kyle and i had to carry or i had to carry now it's like yeah we we are doing mm-hmm. these things like the entire tone of those two have just changed yeah it's so much more team oriented and there is this feeling of camaraderie and togetherness that there doesn't it doesn't seem to have been the case previously mm-hmm. and i think that just alters everything it just gives everyone some an added boost of self-confidence so i don't yeah. think it matters yeah. i i think they trust their bench yeah I, i'm right with you i think if the calves look like their old selves it might matter but again the fact they just struggled so hard in that first round Toronto should go into this series feeling like the favorites, and I think they will. So will there be moments of self-doubt throughout the series? Most likely, because that's just Mm. the playoffs, and every time you lose a game, you start to question what you could have done better, and I'm sure that will happen at some point throughout the series when you know, LeBron James is bound to have a 45-point triple-double, and it's going to be like, well, what do we do now? But I, I think, yeah, if Toronto trusts... Trusted system and trust the changes it made, they really should be feeling good about where they are right now. Mm. Oh, for sure. I mean, look, they have how many contributors, honestly? Like, the, in, in the rotation, they're playing like, what, nine guys? Yeah, and Fred Van Vliet missed most oh, that's of right. that so first 10. series. That's yeah. right. So, 10, 10 guys, and they even have some opportunities to go 11 because you have Norman Don't Powell. Call. Yep. Yeah. That kind of depth murders Cleveland's depth. Yeah. Oh, so absolutely. if right, so the the goal here should at least at a bare minimum be every game Toronto's Benz should you know perversely outproduce Cleveland's. Yeah. That alone would be a huge tick up. And then if Demar and Kyle just kind of float about their averages, mm-hmm. like what that's eighty percent of the battle right there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so, I mean, part of the thing with the Wizards series is matchup-wise, you had two all-stars in the backcourt on either side. You had DeMar and Kyle for Toronto. You had Beal and Wall for Washington. Cleveland, you know, you have a LeBron and you have a Kevin Love, but you don't have that kind of star power in the backcourt. You have a George Hill who has been hobbled throughout that first round, needed, Mm -hmm. like, injections just to play. Um Kyle Korver is a great shooter and has been improved defensively since he's gotten to Cleveland, but he's not an elite defender by any means. So how do you? He's see... not a DeRozan stopper, is what you're saying, <laughs> right? So I'm assuming 
that they're going to put LeBron on DeRozan. They will try to get George Hill on Kyle Lowry, depending on you know how they're. If Ty Lue sticks with the, his the same starting line for Game Seven, I'm guessing mm-hmm. J.R. Smith draws that assignment initially. But I'm assuming George Hill will get it as well. But do you think Cleveland has the personnel overall to really give DeRozan and Lowry fits? No. And I also don't think that they start LeBron on DeRozan because you are going to need him to score 45. Mm. Okay. So who do you and put on? Kyle Korver? J.R. Smith, probably. And then Korver on Lowry? I guess. Or oh. Smith on Lowry or Korver on DeMar. I mean, you know, the other way around. Regardless, yeah. it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Like, the thing is, if... If Toronto sees that LeBron goes on DeMar, I think they're clapping in their small hands. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Because, I mean, then they know, okay, he's going to exert a lot of energy defensively to contain mm-hmm. DeMar. And you tell DeMar, go at him. Yeah. Go at him. Keep him tired. And then by the end of the first quarter, even if Cleveland has like a five-point buffer, mm-hmm. then boom, here comes the bench. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, like that's a 10-point swing right there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm right with you, and I, I don't even know. I mean, going digging into their bench, I don't know. I guess George Hill, if he's healthy, would have a chance to slow that guy down, or like Rodney Hood at least is long enough. Jordan Clarkson's not really a great defender. I mean, you're probably neither is Rodney some, Hood. Yeah, right. You're probably I mean, going to see a little bit of Jeff Green on DeRozan, but. That's uh, that was. My, <laughs> oh my no! Point. Yeah, that's my point in asking that question. Is I think personnel wise, this is a pretty good matchup for Toronto. Like they. Oh no! It's wonderful. Yeah, like you have a LeBron, but you're right. If if you put him on Lowry or DeRozan, that is going to tire him out. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna get you know he already had cramps in this in Game Seven against the Pacers. Like that fatigue is only going to get worse as the playoffs go on. Yeah. So. It's a fair point, Mort. And then we mentioned it already, but the the battle of the bench could not be more lopsided. Like, no. there's no way the Cavs keep up with the Raptors bench, right? Look, LeBron in this series, you you mentioned it, averaged 34 against the Pacers, 34 points. Yep. Okay, so I'm looking at the numbers going into tonight's game because they haven't been updated on Basketball Reference. Okay. Yep. So going into Game Seven. LeBron averaged 32.7. Kevin Love averaged 11. Mm-hmm. After that, zero players in double figures. Yeah, no, that's still true even after Game 7. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was LeBron at 34.4, Kevin Love at 11.4, George Hill was the third leading scorer at 9.3. Yeah, that's, that's not great, Brian. No, it sure isn't. And I mean... Like Toronto also has spread out offense, like to their credit, but that's by design. And they also still had so DeRozan had twenty six point seven, Lowry had seventeen point two, Valanciunas had thirteen and a half, DeLon Wright had ten point seven. But then you also have guys like CJ Mile had nine point three, Serge Ibaka had eight point eight. I mean, they could have done more had they played more minutes, but all of those guys really shared the output. Like that, mm-hmm. and, and again, Fred VanVleet played two of those six games, but he's a big factor for them, or he was throughout the regular season, and he played well in Game Six. So I would expect he's going to have a pretty big role coming off the bench as well. So oh yeah, yeah. he he wants in. Like I think yeah. he hates 
looking at that Washington series going, you know, I was out. I didn't, you know, when I was in, I, I didn't really put up the percentages that I've done throughout the course of the season. I I need to establish myself right now. And I'm, mm-hmm. what better team to do it against than the Cavs? I mean, the, the thing is, they're going to be so deep that an added element of this is if Toronto ends up in foul trouble, mm-hmm. it's not going to matter all that much. Yeah. Like, compared to Cleveland, like, if LeBron right. picks up two fouls or three fouls, like, if you keep him in, like, that's it. Yeah. Like, they can't afford going on the foul game, whereas Toronto's like, okay, it's not great that DeLon Wright fouled out, but hey, Fred, come mm-hmm. take his minutes. Right. Or even if Kyle Lowry gets in foul trouble. Hey, DeLon. Hey, Fred. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we saw it in game one against the Wizards. Lowry and DeRozan didn't play all that well, and they still won the game because the bench stepped up. Like, right. If that that's what separates this team, and we're going to say it until the Raptors get knocked out of the playoffs, <laughs> which was probably going to be because they reverted. But until then, that's what separates this Raptors team from the Raptors teams in the past. They have mm-hmm. the complementary cast to pick up the slack when Lowry or DeRozan either they have an off night shooting, they get into foul trouble, whatever. Cleveland does not have that luxury with LeBron James. LeBron James needs to be spectacular every night, and to his credit, he is. But, you know, again, if, if fatigue comes into play at some point in this series, that's going to be all she wrote for Cleveland. So right. what, what, what's your prediction for this series? Well, one final point before I okay. make my prediction. When you look at Indiana, you had Miles Turner and you had Domantas Sabonis. And then Thad Young, essentially, as your you know, three major big men. Mm-hmm. When you replace that with Valanciunas, mm-hmm. um, Serge Ibaka, and Jakob Bodel, yep, that's that's a major difference. Like that's that's not going to invite drives. That's no. not going to invite a lot of shots into the paint. Yeah, and so Siakam if, too. Right, Siakam as well. I mean, I completely forgot about him. Right. Yeah. So that's four guys right there who with greater size, greater mobility, I feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more that I think about this, I'm actually willing to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say that Toronto takes this series. Oh, yeah. Is that even going out on a limb? Well, I mean, it's LeBron still. I know. But like they're going to be favored going in, I think. Yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. I'm, I'm going to say Raptors in... Oh, what the hell? Six. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, like, I mean, it could be, like, Raptors in five, but it's still just... Oh, no, 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 LeBron. I dude. know, that's the thing. Yeah. But, like, again, oh. they they needed that LeBron just to get to seven against the Pacers. The Pacers are better right. than the Raptors, but I'm still a coward, and I'm going to say Raptors in seven. Well, I get why you say seven. Here's my thinking. I think one of those mega performances by LeBron mm-hmm. is actually going to come in a losing effort. I, I mean, that makes sense. I just don't know that LeBron's getting closed out on his own floor. That's the only thing. If it, if the home court was switched, I would say Raptors in six. But I mm. I don't oh, think... Oh, that's, that's actually a fair point. It yeah. is. I, I'm going to stick with six, but I, I'll withhold the right to extend it to seven because <laughs> that's a good point, Brian. That's, that's a good fair. Point. That's fair. All right, Mort, let's flip now to the other series. We had two Game 7s, so the Boston Celtics on Saturday night beat the Milwaukee Bucks. They earned their ticket to the Eastern Conference semifinals to play 
the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we knew injuries were already a big story for the Celtics team. Gordon Hayward from opening night. Kyrie Irving in mid-March. Jalen Brown has now joined the walking wounded. He suffered yeah. a hamstring injury in Game That's 7. That's so bad. Yeah, so he has been ruled doubtful for Game 1 against Philly. There's no word mm. as to the severity of the injury, how long it's going to sideline him, You know, if it's going to be more than just Game 1, I think. So Game 1 is Monday night. Game 2 is Thursday, I believe. So that gives him a little bit of extra time, but then it's two days from after Game 2. I believe every other game is two days. Right. So, you know, if we're looking at a Ricky Rubio-esque timeline of, like, 10 days, he's probably missing at least the first three, if not first four games. But all we know for sure is that he is doubtful for game one, which means he is very unlikely to play. So how big is that absence going to be for the Celtics? It's huge, obviously. But I don't think it determines the outcome. I have Philly in four in this one. I think... Yeah, I do. Oh, god hey, damn it, Morton. No, it's not a jinx. This is not a jinx. Look, here's the thing with with Boston. Like we were kind of ripping on both the the, the Boston uh, Milwaukee series before it began. We were uh-huh. saying one of these teams are going to be in the second round. Right. Like that's as a joke because you know, they're so depleted by injuries, which is yeah. very unfortunate, I should yeah. just add. It's, right. it's not like yeah, that that's very unfortunate. You want to see a Boston squad at full strength. So um, and then, of course, the Bucks being the Bucks, you were just like, "Oh no, they have not played well enough to win the <laughs> second round." Right. And right. now I think they, Boston, is going to meet a real NBA team. Yeah, well, and they're, they're going to be the team they're... with good coaching, at least. That's true, and I could definitely spare a win for Boston, but look, they're outgunned. Yeah. That Philly team, and I'm sorry, it's not to jinx it. I swear to God, it's not. But they look good, Brian. You I, have to accept it in your ha- yeah. in your heart that they they look good, and I, it's I, not, I people are not after you when you when they compliment your team. You you're vain all, bastard! You're all just trying to get in our heads. I know this is some reverse psychology <laughs> bullshit that you're playing, and I'm on to you. But yeah, I mean. I, I'm not going to say my prediction until the end. Uh, no, I mean, that, that's fine. But You, you guys yeah. could probably guess that I'm going Philly, but I'm not going to say in how many games yet. No. But I, I think you're right. I, I think that's a big question for this series is, does Boston have the firepower to keep up with Philly, even with no. Jalen Brown? No. Right. And, like, Jalen Brown was, I think he was their leading scorer from the first round, if not the leading. He was at Second. least... Second Al leader. Horford was leading the, and here's the thing. Hi, Joel Embiid. Right, right, yeah. So Jalen, like, I love Al Horford. He's not going to slow down Joel Embiid, but Joel Embiid is going to slow down him. Well, to the Celtics' credit, Joel Embiid, when he played in the regular season, did not shoot all that well against the Celtics. I don't care. That's the regular. That, that this is playoff Embiid. I know he's hyped. <laughs> well, see, I don't know. Like, I I agree that. He is definitely hyped, but he shot 38.5. He played three games against the Celtics in the regular season. Shot 38.5% overall. He was one of 12 from three-point range. So he still averaged Mm -hmm. 17 points, 13 rebounds, almost five assists. He had uh, five blocks in those three games. So, like, he he still played well. He's still going to make a huge impact in this series, obviously. But Embiid has said the mask is bothering him. Mm. The first two games that he came back against Miami, 
he did not shoot all that well. He was seven of twenty-two in those two games. Right, he, and he, you know, he hit a couple threes at first night, but he was zero of four in game four. He had eight turnovers. So yes, I mean, I think you know, but they, they rotated they, bigs, Brian. I know Miami rotated bigs. That accounts for something. Who does Boston have in the bigs department outside of Horford? Aaron, Aaron Baines? Baines. Yeah. Yeah. Greg I, Monroe? <laughs> I, Greg Monroe will be a not very good matchup for. Uh, or it, that's, that that's matchup with them. Yeah. But I mean, right. I think this storyline during the regular season of like, oh, Embiid got shut down by Al Horford is nonsense. That said, I think the mask shutting down Embiid and then, you know, the Celtics and Horford do play good defense. Like, that's not yes, an exaggeration. And it's nope, like they do. Embiid's gonna have a much more difficult time against Horford and the Celtics than he did against Hassan Whiteside, who was just begging to be benched after five minutes in every game in that first round. Well, yes and no, because the size isn't there. Yeah. He's seven two. Yeah. I mean Baines could he's got the physicality to match up. Baines will have to resort to hacking him. Right. To that's, really be effective. Yeah, that's the problem, is that I think Embiid's going to get a lot of those bigs in foul trouble. Oh, yeah. And then, if not him, Ben Simmons. Yeah. Ben yeah. Simmons going to the cup virtually every time he touches the ball. <laughs> right. That's going to that's gonna do a lot. And then Boston fans can argue that Jason Tatum is going to wreak havoc on the other end, and I think he will, honestly, mm-hmm. unless you put Simmons on him. But I wouldn't put Ben on him. No, because I, I think either. that. Yeah, I, I think that takes a lot, too much energy out of him. Mm-hmm. I, I think Tatum is going to have a huge series, but I don't think it's going to matter. Yeah, I mean, I, that's where I think the Brown absence... The, I mean, the Brown absence obviously hurts because he was, again, your second leading scorer. Right. But, like, A, offensively, having to not worry about him... You, you're right. I don't think you have to put Ben Simmons on Jason Tatum. I think you put Robert Covington on Jason Tatum. And then Ben Simmons, you hide him on Marcus Morris. And then, you know, that, that saves him some energy, which will be great, assuming they keep Morris as a starter. Um, so who who do you have guarding Terry O'Shea? J.D. Redding? Yeah, I guess so. I would I would actually be interested maybe, in, I mean, maybe you in put, seeing Ben on... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember, over the course of this podcast, I have referenced the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals on several occasions, mm-hmm. where the Bulls put Scottie Pippen on Mark Jackson, and lo and behold, this very evening that we're recording, Mark Jackson himself mentioned the Scottie Pippen uh, situation back oh. from '98, and said he did not want to think back on it because. On it, obviously, he got completely busted. Like he had a six-eight long-armed wing defender guarding him, you know, continuously. Right. That's not going to work well. Mm-hmm. Why not? Ben has the yeah. speed. He's got the length. I mean, it would not take more than 15, 20 possessions for Terry Rozier to get extremely frustrated. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. It's it's going to be really interesting to see. How Brad Stevens adjusts lineup wise to this Brown injury. Like in the third quarter, you know, he got hurt in the second quarter of that Bucks um Bucks Celtics game seven. And the third quarter, they came out with a starting lineup of Tatum, Horford, Roger, Ojale, and Marcus Smart. 
Oof. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... He's a great defender. He just can't do anything offensively so far. Right. So, you know, Horford, you're going to have Embiid. Then, yeah, if you put Simmons on Roger, you put uh, Covington on Tatum, you can hide Saric on Ojale and just have him be a help defender. And then Marcus Smart, too. Like, I think he's going to get the same treatment that the Sixers gave Justice Winslow in the first round. They're, they mm-hmm. could put J.J. Redick on him and say... You know, Shoot. We're, yeah, like we're we're not going to guard you that closely. We're going to play take first team threes again, yeah. <laughs> right? We're going to play good help defense, and if you you know hit a couple in a row, if you score nineteen points in the first half, then we'll reconsider our coverages. But until then, or not, because yeah. you're not going to score nineteen <laughs> right. points again in the second, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, I mean that's where I think the Brown injury is just such a killer. Is that defensively yeah. no, to slow right. down that Sixers team? It wouldn't surprise me if Ojale stays in the starting lineup because that was an adjustment uh, Stevens made, I believe, in Game 5, and then kept him there Game 6 and 7 as well. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, maybe that's that might be the guy. Like, that's also my question. Who do you put on Ben Simmons if you're the Celtics? Because I feel like Jalen Brown would have drawn a lot yeah. of that matchup too. So do you put Ojale on there to start? Yeah, you, you probably do, or Marcus Morris, but probably Ojale. Yeah. I, th- I think you have to. You you don't you yeah you don't do it with Tatum. No, because it's just too much to handle. Right, it just is. So yeah. you don't do it that way. It's this is why I have Philly in four. I think this is a m- matchup nightmare. Yeah, for I, for Boston, I, the only way I see Philly drop a game is if Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova on the same night no shows. Yeah, just go ice cold and like exactly. The, the Sixers shooters overall had a tough time against Miami in game one, or in the first round series. Like, they had a couple... Yeah, round one. Yeah, yeah round one. Like, they had the second half of game one, they exploded, and they went 18 of 28. But the rest of that series, you know, they again, game three, second half, they knocked down some shots too. But, like, the rest of that series, they really struggled. So, you're right. Like, that's, that is a concern if you're... You know, if you are projecting a Sixers blowout in this in this round, it's you know they went seven of thirty six from deep in Game Two, seven of thirty one from deep in Game Four, seven of twenty eight from deep in Game mm. Five. So they're gonna keep shooting because that's you know sometimes they hit eighteen of twenty eight like they did in Game One or eighteen of thirty four like they did in Game Three, and that turns a close game into a blowout very quickly. Right, like. A lot of their guys can be very streaky. Not only Bellinelli and Ilyasova, Covington as well. Redick even struggled with his shot in some capacity. In Game Five, he was very good, but right, yeah, thirty-five percent from downtown, yeah, yeah. which is like <laughs> ten percentage point lower. <laughs> right, low, very low for JJ Redick. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's. I think you're right. More like, you know, Boston won the regular season series three to one. But all four of those games happened by mid-January. Kyrie was still with the team by then. Um, yeah. The Sixers had not added Ilyasova and Bellinelli yet. So, like, the, the Sixers are a completely different team than they were back in yeah, mid-January. So it was Boston, really. I mean, right. right. <laughs> yeah, and, going and, at opposite and I'll, courses. Right. And I'll say this much. If Kyrie and Gordon Hayward had been healthy right now. Oh, yeah. I, I would have picked Boston. Me too. And I would have picked Boston 
rather comfortably. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. But, yeah, I mean, if shit, if those guys were healthy, based on what we saw from Brown and Tatum this year, I would say the Celtics would be the favorite in the East. And I would yeah. say, though, like, that a fully healthy Celtics team this year, I don't know if I would pick them against the Warriors or the Rockets, because... We saw what the Warriors did to the Pelicans last night, and we are currently watching what the Rockets are doing to the Jazz right now. And oh yeah, yep. you know, it's a reminder of like both of those teams played their C game in the first round because they could, and they knew they could advance. But now they're revving up the engine. Like now they're flipping that switch, and those two teams are very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know that I would pick Boston over either of them, but I feel like a fully healthy Boston team would be the only chance the East would have of winning a title this year. Otherwise. I mean, right. I mean, depending on who Philly drafts and signs yeah. this summer, mm-hmm. and if we assume that there aren't any significant changes elsewhere in the Eastern Conference format, mm-hmm. I am already now going on record to saying I'm picking Boston to come out of the East next year. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, this this year without Hayward was sort of a blessing in disguise for the development of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. That just... That just rushed their... Now, rushed is such a negative word, but you know what yeah. I mean. It, accelerated. It just, it, ex- accelerated, thank you. Accelerated yeah. their development. Yeah. And now you have... <laughs> like You can't really go wrong with Hayward, Kyrie, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Terry Rozier. Like, that's, that's a core. Mm-hmm. That's a damn core. Yeah. And that... That actually leads me to a question, and I'm going to give credit to Keith Smith here because he asked this of us recently. But that, like, regardless of what happens in the series, even if your prediction comes true and they do get swept in the second round, Celtics fans have to be ecstatic with how this season went, all things considered, yes. right? Like, given Absolutely. the circumstances. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I know that people think that we crap on Celtics fans. That's not that's not the case. When I say I, that they're I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when when I say that they're going to lose in four, that's not, you know, me trying to be quip. Mm-hmm. This, that's that's just because they've been ravaged by injuries. Right. I am insanely high on this Boston team. Yeah. When healthy. Yeah. And that when healthy is pretty damn important. <laughs> yeah. Right. For whoever. Like, if you take the two best players away from any team in the NBA, they're going to struggle. Yeah. mightily and for them to be in the second round right now that's that's a win it's in a and of itself huge win and i yeah i think you're right more like that the you're, you don't want to ever say an injury is like a blessing you know the hayward no no you know what i mean yeah no, no and I, I know i was about to say it too but the silver lining of that injury as you said that's a better wording was yeah we got to see tatum and brown take on much larger roles than they otherwise probably would have. I mean, just in terms of there wouldn't have been enough minutes for those guys to have as right. the roles that they did this season. And, like, if you see a Jalen Brown averaging 18 points a game in the playoffs, if you see Jason Tatum in his playoff debut putting up 15 points, you know, in, in the first round, now all of a sudden you get back Hayward and Kyrie next year. It's like, I'm with you. Like, Boston... Mm-hmm. You know, without knowing, as you said, what happens this off season, but if we're just projecting every roster to come back next year as is, except everyone's healthy, Boston is commanding favorite out east. That's oh, yeah. that's not even a hot take. That's just true. Like they are 
they are equipped to be very good both now and in the long term. Like uh, the Brown Tatum combo is excellent, and they they should feel great about how those guys look. And that's the, that's the problem with Brown's injury. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. take two, their best two players away of any team they're going to struggle brown is one of their you know of the remaining healthy ones he's one of the three best it's horford brown and tatum are the three best remaining healthy players so now they're down three of their top five players against a philly team that knock on wood i'm knocking on every piece of wood around me that is going into the second round not only healthy, but well-rested. I know you're touching your wood, Brian. <laughs> you know, they haven't played since, what, Tuesday night? So they've gotten yeah. almost a week of rest. And, like, yeah, there's always the concern. You know, they're playing so well. Are they going to – is that going to, like, shake I don't believe momentum? in that. That's a myth. Yeah. I've, I've, always be- I've always said that's a myth. I would think because, you know, just giving Embiid a couple days off – like, he said after coming back in Game 3, his entire body hurt. So, like, giving him a couple days off to recover, giving him some practice time to get used to that mask. I mean, I think that, if you're talking about, like, X-Factors for Philly, not only in this series, but if they advance moving forward, it's Embiid and his mask and how he continues to adapt to that. And to his credit, he said, you know, he acknowledged that he was shooting, like, garbage after Game 4, and it was like, well... You know, I can still make an impact in other areas of the game. Like defensively, I just have to be. I think he's like, I have to be a beast, and he's right. Like he can, even if he's shooting like crap. If he rebounds and he blocks shots, and he's just you know, not even block shots, but also just stands in the paint and alters shots, much like a Rudy Gobert, mm. that changes the game. So like, the ceiling of this Sixers team with a healthy, unmasked Joe Bede. Uh, is much higher, you know, than what it is right now. Just because I, I don't know that we're gonna see like a hundred percent of Joel Embiid offensively throughout the rest of the playoffs. Just you know, he's he said it. He said that this mask is really bothering him, and you can tell he he's not a huge fan of wearing it. But I mean, I think giving him the that more any time he has to acclimate to that. Is mm-hmm. only going to benefit the Sixers and giving those guys a couple days off to get fresh legs when you're yeah. going against the Celtics team that was just in a hard-fought seven-game series. I think you're right. the The momentum thing, I'm not too worried about. It bothers him so much that he went out and averaged 19 points, <laughs> 10 rebounds, and three blocks and 11 free throw attempts per game in 30 minutes. I feel for you, JoJo. <laughs> well, just imagine what he would do if he was not masked. Yeah, I know. Here, but but yeah, going back to Boston for a second, like for next year, mm-hmm. just just imagine for a moment a healthy top six. Yeah, Horford at center, Tatum yep. at the the four, uh, Hayward at the three, Jalen at the two, Kyrie at the one, Terry Rozier coming off the bench as the lead. You know, the the a combo guard backing mm-hmm. up one and two, mm-hmm. already there. Like that's that's six going insanely deep because <laughs> right. over the course of the summer. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, those three in particular mm-hmm. are going to improve. Yeah. More. Even yep. more than they already have. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, look, that's this is not a knock on Boston. This is no. praise of Philadelphia. Yeah. And Lord knows you've earned it after all those years. 
<laughs> That's true. I, I was going to do it after the first round, but I never did. So after this round, after every win, I'm going to recycle a horrible hot take about the process. I'm going to read it on this podcast. Of course. And shame I, the I give shit. a compliment and you become... Yeah. <laughs> well, it's time. It is time for the shaming to begin because we had four years of just absolute horse shit takes about the process. <laughs> it is time for the public shaming to begin. So hopefully by the time, the next time we record, uh, we'll have at least one or two Sixers wins and you can look forward to that. But in the meantime, we're, uh, before I give my prediction, here's my dream for this series. Mm. Markel Fultz comes off the bench at some point and drops either 30 points or a triple-double. And all of those Boston <laughs> fans who were trolls the entire year about Markel Fultz, you know, I, I don't know when, if there's ever going to be like another officially sanctioned retweet Armageddon, which the guys from the Red Stricky Sanchez podcast, they, they were the impetus of the first one. But I'm pretty sure if Markel Fultz like single handedly swings a game against Boston, considering all the crap we got from Boston people this year, just don't like y'all just don't go on Twitter. Like, just, I'm telling you right now, because we're going to swarm like locusts. Yes, you are. I, <laughs> I believe you are. I've seen it before. And, yeah, so it's with, not pretty. No, it is not. So with all of that said, I'm going to take the Sixers in six here. And I, I'm with you, Mort. I, I hear you on just how much of a mismatch on paper this is. But right. I still, I, I'm going to be overly negative just because that's how I am conditioned that's as fine. a fan. But. That's a win for Boston in itself. Yeah. <laughs> Going six games with Philly. I mean, I agree. Jesus, if that happened, I would be even higher on Boston next year. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, if nothing else, this is going to be, hopefully, the start of, I mean, this could this rivalry could really reignite in the next couple of years. Like, it would not surprise me at all if this is the Eastern Conference Finals next year. So I'm looking forward to the series. I know it, it sucks that the Celtics are so beat up, but I still think it's going to be more competitive than it looks on paper just because, I don't know, Brad Stevens, man. That's all I'm going to say. Just I, I remain in pure terror of him, even though like, <laughs> yeah. I know this, the Sixers beat a Miami team that also has a good coach in Spo, and they handled the physicality of that Miami team well. They stayed even keeled. No one got ejected or thrown out or suspended, which was big, especially there were a couple things in Game 5 that really could have gone south. But I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna take Sixers and Six, and I will be pleasantly surprised if they win ahead of that. Yeah. All right. Nobody else to say. Yeah, so let's wrap up there. Uh, thank you all to tuning in today. Please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all the links to all the latest episodes there. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bio. So go ahead and give us a follow as well. You can troll me when the Celtics end up sweeping the Sixers. Uh, you can oh also my God. <laughs> you can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave You're some five star reviews. <laughs> We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted now by the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. As always, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Drama Queen. <laughs> and get pumped, everyone. We're doing the Bye Felicia for the Eastern Conference first round knockouts in a, later this week as well.
Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.